Yeah, I actually think it was really good to take that month just to listen to myself and listen to my body and just really pay attention. Like it wasn't, oh, you have to do these intervals today. It was like, okay, on the days you feel good, you can ride good, like ride well and do whatever you want to do. And you're probably going to go hard because you feel good. And then when you feel tired, there was nothing telling me that I couldn't go home. So I, I would just go home. And when, so I think that that really helped me that when I really started training hard again, I'm like, oh, I feel really tired. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm just going to go home. And then I'm going to try tomorrow rather than just feeling like beating my head against the wall with, an interval sometimes you have to do it sometimes you can tell like the older you get and the more you know yourself like when you just like feel a bit lazy and when you feel like truly tired <laughs> um but I think that that month of just kind of seeing like listening to myself a bit more was really helpful for that um and then I think yeah being at altitude perhaps for a really long time like I've never been here for this long I've always even in the off season like I've never stayed probably more than five or six weeks before leaving again you know so like to be here at altitude for four months like not leaving at all I think it's fun to f actually feel like I'm strong here <laughs> so I feel like I've gone stronger and I feel like if I've gone stronger at altitude then I can only assume that I will be. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Training Edge podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Newkirk. For today's show, I set about trying to answer the question of how do you keep training fun, but also focused during these times without any racing? And is it still possible to progress ourselves as athletes through everything? My guest for today is Ruth Winder, who is a professional cyclist for Trek Segafredo's women's team she is also currently the American National Pro Road Champion, and earlier this year, she had a super impressive result, the overall win at the Santos Tour Down Under. We got into a good amount during this hour, including how she handled the unknown of racing, how she has changed up her training to continue to be the best athlete she can be, that um, she's also open to doing a bake-off with fellow American Robin Carpenter, uh, what interval she hates the most, and also how she uh, just liked being home during this time. I want to thank Ruth again for chatting with me, and also a big, big congratulations to her and Zach, as literally this past week, Zach proposed to her, and they are now engaged. Stoked for the two of them. All right, without any further delay, enjoy my conversation with Ruth Winder. Ruth, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Good to be here. I asked you to join me to chat about the ability to keep training uh, targeted and fun um, with how everything's been with this year with COVID um, and without any sort of races or targeted goals. Um, it's been interesting both as a coach and an athlete to help other athletes stay motivated and find goals um, to continue to progress themselves and you know move forward and, and still stay focused. Um, as a coach yourself and a professional athlete, I wanted to kind of just pick your brain on what has worked for you. Um, all right. So to step back a little bit though, um, I wanted to ask some pretty broad questions. Um, are you the type of athlete that loves to race or train more? Mm, race? Definitely. <laughs> um, I've been compared. Yeah, definitely someone that likes to race a bit more than train. Like you're going to get my best numbers in a race. Um, 
but we've been having a little fun with Strava, trying to like make it into a little bit more of a race here and there with our friends. Um, but yeah, it's generally prefer to race. Yeah. Prefer, I guess. Why? Why do you like racing mm. more? Because I don't really see the point of just beating your head against the wall, like for no reason right. on your own <laughs> out there on the roads. Um, I guess like it's the opportunity of getting a result or creating some memory with a team versus just like going out on the roads and just going up and down the same hill 10 times to do a specific <laughs> power. I get more joy out of the sport when it's when I'm playing the sport rather than practicing for the sport, I guess. Hmm, I like that. Um, do you find then that you... Um, we'll get into this a little bit later, but do you like mix up your training to help with that then? Like if you don't want to beat your head against the wall in the same climb seven times to so doing flagstaff a certain amount of times, do you, um, go and find different climbs to do or like try to explore a little bit more? Um, it depends what my intervals are really, yeah. because then sometimes when I have intervals, I'm like, all right, I'm here to do this and I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I'm like starting to crack a bit, then I'll go somewhere different. Um, I was doing the last couple of weeks, the same set of intervals that just get kept getting a minute longer every, like, uh. every four days or whatever. And I was doing them on Flagstaff because uh. that's what you do. He'll repeat yeah. in Boulder. Yeah. Um, and then at the last week that I had them, I'm like, I just can't go do them on Flagstaff again. So I did like one on flag, one on sunshine, um, or two on sunshine and then one on linden or something you know yeah. kind of spread them out a little move, bit move one road over basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. nice um okay so you train to race basically then yeah to make sure that you see so you almost see it do you see it as a job do you see it as like you're getting your work done and then you so you can have a reward later is that kind of how yeah is? i definitely see it more of a job now than i probably did when i was younger okay um but yeah, it is like, okay, I need to take these steps to be good on this day, which is the important day and why I get paid essentially. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I guess, why do you race then? Mm. I've raced since I was 15 and I think I started racing because my dad raced bikes, my mom raced bikes mm. and it was like the thing to do with the family. Um, and then I was pretty good at it from a really early age. And when you're good, young, like you just get noticed and then one thing leads to another and all of a sudden you're just, I don't know, going to Europe, doing Flanders for the first time at 17. I don't know. It was all like a blur. (laughs) It all happened really fast. Um, and I think I race, I mean, yeah, I race because that's a hard question, especially today. And it would have been different when I started, but, Hmm. um, what was it? All right. What was it back then when you were young? I think it was just because it was what I was doing and it was fun and it was exciting and I was really good at it. Um, and I was making friends through it. And, yeah. and I started going to the track really early too. I went down to San Jose. Um, and through that I had this fun friend group and mountain biking too in the high school mountain biking league when I was oh, no. younger. You did that too. Cool. Yeah. I did it when it pretty much first started in NorCal. Um, is that NICA or was it something? It wasn't called NICA when I first started. It was just the NorCal high school mountain bike league was all it was. And now it's all over the country, it's huge. which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started on the Contra Costa composite team cause I homeschooled through high school. So cool. it's just on a little composite team and I did that. Yeah. And like I said, one thing kind of just led to another and it just has turned into this. I'm 27 now. So 12 year career. Yeah. So wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> and still young. That's good. Um, do you, I guess, quick, quick side question. Do you think, uh, mountain biking, like the mountain biking community and that style of racing and then the track community and that style of racing, do you think that benefits, 
um, kind of like creating that culture and that subculture or that, those friend groups or um, like just a uh, just the fun environment of being a youth. Yeah, I think so for sure, because you can keep everybody kind of in tighter quarters, especially track racing and mountain biking's a little bit more chill because you're not on the road too. Like there's a less stressful aspect. I didn't do almost any, I can't think of anything outside of a race that I did with just people my own age on the road. Hmm. Like everything with people my own age was on the track or on mountain bike because it's probably just easier to keep a group of younger um, high schoolers together on yeah. like non-car situations. Um, I do group rides with other adults and, you know, my dad and my mom, but, um, I think in terms of building friends and a little community around, then those, those two, um, styles of cycling, I suppose were really good for being younger. Yeah. 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 It's, that's cool. The, I've been coaching, um, a team here called BJC and Boulder junior cycling and they, uh, primarily are on mountain and they've done a little bit of track and I hope that in the future they get into that a little bit more. Um, but I think that was like one of the first things that I noticed when I was younger and a junior, I, you know, in the middle of Indiana, there was not really much trails or mountain biking to get involved (laughs) in and certainly wasn't a team. So it was all road and there wasn't really much of a youth, uh, community or hangout. It wasn't a cool thing to do. Um, so it's neat to see it kind of pop up and I think the trails kind of help that and promote that um, yeah so I hope that continues to branch but it's cool that that's where you came from I had no idea yeah. um, okay going back uh, what I guess why do you race now why do I race now it's easy for me to just say because it's my job yeah, it is. <laughs> it's <laughs> my <laughs> job um, and I've steadily been making a more reasonable wage um, and track actually pay their riders really well so awesome. this is the first year that I've like I can say that I make a proper living, like awesome. make money enough to contribute to pay some bills, which feels good. good. 27 yeah. and paying yeah. bills. Um, so I think that, but you know, like also for me, I've, I've had success throughout my whole career, but it's not been like this amazing trajectory of, oh, Ruth's always going to win a bike race whenever she enters it. Um, mm-hmm. And I did a lot of track racing and I came back to road racing and I've been having a lot more success on the roadside since 2017 when I came back from the track. And I think that now I, you grow and you learn so much every year and I feel like a really, a much more confident athlete and sure of myself when I enter a race. I feel um, like now I race because it's like I've really developed myself as an athlete and I can get the most out of myself now than I could years previously. So while I say it's my job, it feels like my job in the way that I'm more calm and I know what I'm doing and I have more experience, like actually get a solid result out of it, hmm. um, which I think was really cool for myself to win toe down under at the beginning of the year. Cause I really yeah. felt all those things come together and you can feel them all come together and you don't get the result, but to get the result at the end of that was like really um, cool and confidence inspiring for me. And I think the rest of the team as well. Um, so I don't know, long winded answer, but yeah. I think that that's why I still race today. It's oh, not like just that. like the, Oh, I'm doing it cause I'm doing it and I'm young and it's like the most exciting thing I've ever done before in my life. Hmm. It's like, I've been doing this for a long time and well, sometimes it just feels like a job and it's why I get paid. <laughs> like I'm also turning into an expert in my job and it feels good to do it that way. Huh. Do you feel like it's the, like it's uh, a switch almost happened where you go from everything is new and it's exciting and it's a thrill ride almost in a way or a rush. And then going to, are you kind of a no in a way what to expect? And it's more of a, um, that 
experience and applying it type scenario? Yeah, I think so. Definitely a little bit of that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I, I think I sort of got a glimpse of that towards the end of what I was yeah. doing, but yeah. Um, and it takes so long to get there. It's not like it's just, it's not a flip. Yeah. It's not like something that just happened over yeah. a night. And you know, I, I put in a lot of last work last year with a sports psychologist, which oh, really, cool. really helped. I think cause a lot of the sport is mental to yep. some degree. And I mean, you have to know how to conserve energy and be smart and race smart. And I think that that's something that I've kind of built from being a racer since I was 15. Yeah. Um, but then just like learning how to remain calm and not panic and not waste energy where you shouldn't is like very beneficial in really hard bike races so i think that that's like not panicking was a big thing i worked on was that something that you were really tested in like tour down under for example when you're in a gc role do you feel like you're tested more on that front as far as definitely yeah Yeah. definitely and even like during the race my german teammate she was like you can't hesitate you know you can't hesitate oh going on the circuit race that the stage that i won um i remember that we would had gone past the finish line before and we'd gone for a time bonus and she'd seen me hesitate or something so even in the finish line i was like oh god Okay, remain calm, remain calm, and just kind of tell myself that it's a game and you huh. have to play to win. And if you don't play, you can't win. And if you don't win, at least you try your hardest kind of a thing. So I just now focus on like what I can do in the moment in a race rather than freak out about the finish. So, huh. do you just out of curiosity, and this is a total side note, but do you feel like that race was well suited to you, or do you feel like that was like almost something that you conquered um, and it was? A little bit beyond what you had you know done previously or um i think it was pretty suited to me now that i look back on it when i went into it i didn't go in with any hope or dreams or even thinking that that would remotely happen when the gc at all um because the day the, like the day that a lot of the gc was decided on was like this really long climby day um and i didn't know that my climbing would be that good we'd been in colorado it was january in australia and so and we had a super winty yeah. super wintery winter in Colorado so much snow and I hadn't climbed in like forever so it just was my assumption that my climbing would just like not maybe be that great um but I was just fine on the climb honestly totally fine so um yeah going into just as basically it's just kind of what happened it was who had the best legs on the day with the climb and yeah and then now that I look back on it the next day I'd actually done well um I think I'd finished second or third on the stage that I won the year before so I had, I knew the finish already for yeah. that one, which was good. Um, and then the last day was a crit, which I just have a really, really good team on track, Segafredo, <laughs> and they just basically like manned everything and I didn't have to do anything other than just follow my teammates. And that was actually the worst day of every day for me. I hate, I hate stressful time bonus crit sprints. They're the worst. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I, yeah, I give you a lot of credit for that. That makes it super stressful yeah. it's one thing to just be a gc rider in a crit just zoning out mm-hmm. and being shepherded around it's another thing to actually i guess go do something yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you're like oh gosh yeah and like if yeah so it becomes this whole game of like who has the sprinter and who's going for the sprints and yeah. is there a sprint jersey and they're going for the sprints and you know anyway like who, i mean it made it super exciting so yeah. thank you um, okay so Great answer on both ends. Um, and what about when you, and I know this might change when it actually happens, but what do you think will be your reason to ride when you retire? Hmm. I hope because it's fun. 
to okay. ride bikes. Yeah. I struggle to find that a little bit sometimes, which Zach and I, my boyfriend and I laugh about sometimes. I'll like go on a ride that's just supposed to be like a fun ride with friends and my eye will twitch a couple times <laughs> if we like stop a whole ton or if the pace isn't very high mm, and I'm uh, like feeling fresh and antsy and like want to play a bit and just like on a chill ride. And yep. Zach's like the king <laughs> of like chill riding. <laughs> and sometimes like just go, can we just, you know, a little bit faster and just <laughs> always telling me to chill out. So hopefully like I can taper down from my high performance athlete level and like just find more joy in just being outside, which I find a lot of in the off season when there's no pressure to be mm. performing. But during the season when it's training, I have a really hard time going for those chill bike rides unless it specifically says on training peaks today is a chill bike chill. ride. <laughs> you can stop for three hours and ride for one. It's fine. <laughs> I won't have a heart attack about it then. <laughs> Man, well, good thing Zach seems to balance you out very well then. Oh, he does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe that will be your sign as to when you're ready to be done bike racing is mm -hmm. when you're like, well, I'd rather just putz around for a couple hours instead. Yeah. I think right now my biggest struggle with the sport is purely just the travel. Like I think yeah. if it's hard to leave home for so many months of the year, I tr like travel for about six months of the year going over to Europe um and I try and cut the block shorter and shorter every year I'm like okay I don't really need to race any more Belgian classics like I've done them <laughs> I can do them I don't enjoy them we have a really strong team there are other girls that could do these so yeah. we kind of like sometimes chop a race off here or there to make my blocks a little shorter but good um yeah I don't I like the love of that, feel, that feeling of winning and like racing and being in a bike race and being with teammates, it's hard to imagine that that will ever completely go away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I miss the mm -hmm. most for sure. Definitely. Um, all right. So now going into more of less broad, I guess, question and more targeted towards uh, this year and with COVID and everything that's been going on. Um, what was it like? So we already touched on tour down under, but what was it like to start the year and go and win something pretty massive and then come home and then have everything just kind of disappear? Really odd. <laughs> um, I actually did go to Europe for a little bit. So I okay. came home from tour down under uh, and celebrated that win a little bit, but then I went back to Europe and I think I was only there for maybe two or three weeks. We did Het Newsblad, which is a classic, a Belgian like cobbly race. And then we, yeah, I was I came back to Spain because I stay in Girona when I'm there. Cool. And then I, we would we'd get taken the train and the taxi to get to the airport, and it takes about two hours to get from Girona to Barcelona. And right when we walked into the airport, the team called us and said, "Don't get on your flight to Strada because we think wow. the race is going to be canceled. It's not been canceled yet, but it's like." 89% sure that it's going to be canceled. And so then we <laughs> turned around and went back to Girona. And I think that was like a Wednesday or a Thursday that we were supposed to go. And then that Sunday I was on a flight flying back to Colorado and it was, I came back with a backpack. I came back with nothing. Cause I thought, Oh, this, this is a cute right little naive time. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. We'll be back for the Ardennes. This isn't going to last for two years or however long we think it's going to last now. Um, but yeah and so then it just became normal i suppose after a while yeah. I think. but well that was actually my next question is like what were the phases <laughs> i guess because you just mentioned like the first realization of like oh this will be a cute little stint back back home i can 
see my boyfriend, I can, you know, cuddle with my dog and then I can just go right back to Europe. Great. But, um, what did it, like, what were the phases then over the longevity of it and up until maybe now? Yeah. So at the beginning, like, like I just said, it was, I'll be going back. So my motivation to train was still pretty high. And then as soon as we heard that the Ardennes were canceled, I was like, I went out to do intervals one day and I just came home and I thought there is, I mean, I explained even just a little bit ago. I have a hard time just going up and down the same hill and I was doing low cadence intervals, which I absolutely hate with all of my being. I will do them because they make me a better athlete. And I know that, but I hate them every time I have to do them. And I just thought, why am I doing these? Like, we don't know when we're going to race again. Like we have no idea. And we thought maybe we're racing in June. Maybe we're racing in May, maybe we're racing in June. And then it slowly was like, you're not racing in May or in June, maybe not even in July. And then it's like, so I just took a month off my coach didn't write me any not off off I just didn't have any training from him so I just said I need you to not give me training I'm gonna ride my bike I'm gonna have fun on my bike I'll probably still go hard on my bicycle but I just don't have the mental in me to go out and do these intervals so that's when we started doing a few like Strava races with our friends we would just pick a segment and or two segments and then we'd combine the time for the two segments and oh, whoever cool. was like the fastest would win that week or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so that was kind of a fun way to have some different kind of motivation. And then after a couple of weeks of doing that, it was like, okay, we've got the new UCI calendar and things are going to start at the very end of July, beginning of August. So let's start building again. So I went back to doing intervals and I found that harder to, or easier to go back and train because it was like okay we have this date and these days in this hypothetical that we're shooting for which sounds good um and so that's what i've been doing for the last month and a half or so maybe hmm. and now i'm supposed to leave on tuesday to go to europe yeah but hopefully this will all happen this yeah pan this out calendar yeah okay so two questions when you look back at the month that you took on like a freestyle month of training mm-hmm. where you didn't have any workouts what did you end up doing for that month Everesting. <laughs> I mean, that's a big training load. That's that was probably a good training <sighs> stress score. No, um, yeah, definitely my biggest ever. Uh, really? I okay. Would, All right. I would just like, I don't know. We would just, I would go and do a long ride, or I'd just do these little Strava things. I just, however, I felt if I didn't feel like riding that day, I just wouldn't ride. I rode my mountain bike quite a bit. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious if it resulted in more. Or less than... I probably did more volume some weeks than my coach would have had me do, but then equally I probably had a week or two where I did much less volume than he probably (laughs) would have had me do. So I'm sure it equaled out, but there was some times where I'm like, oh, I feel like just going and I never ridden to Estes Park. So I'm like, I'm going to ride to Estes Park or whatever. And the next day maybe I'd go on a four-hour mountain bike ride or maybe there would have been more days back to back and I didn't really care if I was so tired at the end of the day, but... Did you ride with people more during that time maybe because you had like more freestyle or less structure no not necessarily um not really I think that we did a couple of like mountain bike rides with some more people but there were only I think during that time I had like my double bubble going on my quarantine however you want to call it so I only had maybe six people like two different couples so yeah me and my boyfriend and then two other couples so six a group of six total that we would kind of like hang out with at that point yeah and i was and we were all being really respectful of our right quarantined friends yeah quarantining so yeah 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 i wasn't really doing too much but i feel like i'm pretty good even when i am training i like to find people to ride with and i feel like 
I can do an okay job or I'll do like an hour or two with someone and then kind of split off and do my intervals or something. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interestingly enough. Um, as a coach, normally a lot of the questions I get are, well, how do I ride with people and do my intervals? Um, and then I kind of have to explain how, how that is possible. I haven't been getting that as much (laughs) lately. It's been a little bit less of that, which has been kind of nice. Um, okay. That's, all right, what was my next question? All right, I had another one within your next motivation. Um, oh, the as far as getting back into intervals mm-hmm. and with the concept of a high, like, I guess not hypothetical race calendar, but a race calendar that had a little bit of a cloud over it, I would say, just yeah. within possibility. Um, was that, did that make it difficult? Like, was it hard to jump back into intervals with not still a little bit of uncertainty? Yeah, it's still hot even today, (laughs) you know, because it's just going to be, it's the first race that we're going to have had and everything's just been canceled and canceled and everything is just like canceled the last day or the day before. So I feel like even in the, on the most hopeful of days, there's still like one tiny bit that's like, oh, maybe it's not going to happen just Uh, because that's what we've been trained to believe all year, I think. Um, So it's not to say it won't. It's just like, that's just what we have had to deal with this year. Um, But it definitely, some days is harder than other days. I'm like, oh. Oh, why am I doing this? It might not even happen. And then other days I'm like, come on, it's going to happen. It's going to be fine. Or like, what else are you supposed to do today, Ruth? Just like do your intervals. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's still hard at times. What? So you, you said Strada is your first, so Strada Bianchi is your first would be the first, first World Tour race. First so World there Tour. are some other races um, in like a week from now uh, in Spain <laughs> that are just UCI, the just a lower level. Are they like race. single days or... Uh, yes, there's three of them, but I believe they're all individual okay. races. I don't think it's a stage race. Okay. Yeah. I should probably know more information well, I mean, about it yeah. since it's like a week away, but hey. again, I didn't really think I was going to be getting to Europe so soon, so <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. Is, is it, uh, when you think about racing right now, is it weird? Is it like, are you excited or motivated or do you think it'll be odd to pin a number on and line up or what do you think? I think it's going to be really weird. Yeah. I feel like every time I even go to the grocery store and one other person comes close to me, I'm like, Uh, this is six feet. (laughs) I'm like, excuse me, please respect the six feet rule that we have been trained to obey now in the last (laughs) few months. So I think like getting on a start line surrounded by a hundred other people and then like racing in a bunch is just it's going to feel normal because it's normal and I've been doing it my whole life. But at the same yeah. time, it's going to feel odd because the last couple of months, like I still don't hug some of my very good friends, yeah. you know, it just feels really weird to go and get in a bunch of so many people, even though with the testing that the UCI have like in the protocols that they have set in place, I think if everybody's following it correctly, everybody should be perfectly safe, but it's, yeah. So, see. so what are the UCI protocols? We just have to do a lot of testing, basically a lot of swab testing. Um, yeah, which is going to be interesting to see how every team can go about doing that. Yeah, is it mandated like before um, certain races, or is it what is the? Yeah, they're saying right now it's like every six days out and every three days out you have to be tested. Interesting. Yeah. For the virus, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. With the swab, with the nasal swab. Gosh, I've heard the. Na- I haven't had it done. I've heard the nasal swab is quite. Uh, painful or invasive oh so. good i haven't heard this <laughs> sorry so. <laughs> <Yay>. oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry <laughs> maybe it's better maybe uh-huh. they've improved it well i have to have my first one soon because i'm flying soon so okay yeah <laughs> well good luck Thanks. um all right the as far as stepping back to training then yeah um 
what have you done to kind of mix it up right now and make it, I know we've covered a little bit, but, um, and you mentioned how much you hate overgear work. Um, <laughs> what are your favorite workouts? What are your, what, what things have you done to throw into the mix to like, I guess, make you not just ride the same climb every day? Um, yeah, some of my favorite workouts, like intervals that change a lot. So mm-hmm. like not necessarily under overs or 2040s or 3030s, stuff like that. But like, maybe I have these ones where it's like two and a half minutes at one thing. And then, um, a 30 seconds at the other thing, even when I have long intervals, like if it's like a 15 minute threshold interval, I'll even create my own mini <laughs> interval within the interval. Cause I'm like, how am I supposed to do a 15 minute interval? This is impossible. But I'll be like, trick myself into like doing three minutes. You did 30 seconds standing, stuff like that. So change cadences <laughs> like, or something. Sometimes I just press the lap button after five minutes. So it just has turned into a 10 minute interval. Oh wow. Interval, that's a good, that's a know? good trick. I hadn't thought like about Psychologically that. trick myself out. So you just can't see the first five yeah. minutes. It's really silly when I say it out loud, but it I works. Like it. I, I like that. <laughs> I think that would work really well. Done. Um, and yeah, and then mountain, I mountain bike a lot. I really like that. Um, so we, yeah, went to steamboat this last weekend and kind of just camped and mountain biked or now that the snow's melted, just going to Ned, we just drove up one evening after my boyfriend got off work and just doing stuff like that. Uh, kind of, you don't really need to have intervals necessarily no. on mountain biking because no. it's just like the terrain is your, your workout yeah. yeah if you want a more challenging workout go to a more challenging trail exactly my heart rate gets so pinned immediately yeah who is this is a loaded question but who is better at mountain biking you oh. or zach for sure zach. really for okay sure, zach. all right indiana yeah. boy nice no <laughs> i mean yeah his skills are pretty impressive so I'm, i don't doubt it yeah i just couldn't get my fitness can get me a little bit further than him sometimes on like technical climbs and okay. he generally is riding a much heavier bike with more suspension but then yeah. he crushes me on the downhills <laughs> that's awesome yeah man power couple that's very cool um all right have you um and you mentioned different like strava challenges with your friends mm-hmm. um has that like have you been motivated by that? Is that something like is a KOM something that intrigues you? Is that like something that you'll dig deep for or? Um, yes and no. I, so when we were doing it, it was just like, we would take two segments every week. Someone else would pick two different segments and then we'd go out and do them and combine the, t- the time. So for a while it was more fun just to like compete against that group of six people or whatever. We would all go out throughout the week. So we were like, all right, this week you have to do it, this segment. And I decided that I really hated Strava one day because <laughs> I actually picked the segments one day. And one of the segments I picked was the wall on the Morgul Bismarck Ugh, course, the worst. which is like a five minute super steep climb. If you don't know this climb. And I was like, I, I picked that segment and I'm like, I'm going to crush this segment. This is my segment. And I went out there and I had, the worst headwind and i did like my best ever five minute altitude power of my nice, life like nice. best ever i come back and i uploaded it to strava and it says like whatever your watt average that you did and it says like 320 watts for me and like 318 watts for zach and zach was like 30 <laughs> seconds faster than me of the climb and he is six two and like much heavier than me and i'm like this is infuriating me and i was like not even in the top 10 on the women <laughs> i was like oh sort boy <laughs> so strava you know like you have to take into account the wind and what wheels you're riding and if you did it with a group and so yeah. for a while I was like I don't care about QOMs this is just so frustrating um, but then if you get one then obviously and then it's, it's and back it really to it. matches yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so you did did you Lee Hill today 
I did Lee Hill today. How did it go? That was fun. I got the QOM, oh, which dang. was fun. Yeah. That's a um, gnarly one. Yeah. It's really hard because it goes flat at the top. And like for me, I you can like do keep the power on the steep, steep part. And then like the flat part, you could lose so much time. Is that the, it's the backside, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. Do you include the down then? The no, down just section? to like the, so from the backside, uh, it just kind of goes flat when you come around the right hand turn at the top, this like yeah. the right hand turn, and then it's a little bit flat and then goes to the left and drags up yep. and then kind of bends back to the right. And then there's a stop sign. So yep. it stops at the stop sign. Okay. But like you have it pretty steep and then it goes flat and then that flat bit is just really challenging for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, um, we actually did a, uh, the junior kids last week, we did a practice of that. And that yeah. was like one of my notes was like, save something for that section or do yeah. nothing like sit behind somebody on yeah. that section. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, it's a, it's a pretty iconic, like, I guess, shorter ish, steep, really steep climb mm-hmm. um, that. Yeah. It's a it's a brutal little one. Um, pretty common ride around here. Yeah. Um, okay. So you are mostly motivated by Strava KOMs. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like uh, what other challenges have you done are you intrigued in like the long distance challenges or like doing Mm. any sort of like epic loop or anything like that well i did everest which was a bad idea (laughs) anybody that googles ruth window and everesting can find out quickly that she did not enjoy it (laughs) 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 um i think that like doing a really big loop would be really fun like doing a big adventure ride would be fun but i haven't done haven't really done that um Let's see, what did... I've done a couple, like, mountain bike rides where I, like, ride from town and ride up to Ned and, yeah. like, go and explore on my own, which yeah. maybe I was only riding for a max of five hours, but that still feels really adventurous to me because I don't typically mountain bike alone or mountain bike in Ned very much at all. So yeah. to ride, like, up Switzerland Trail up to Ned or something was fun to do that. Um, but typically I don't really train more than five hours and after Everesting, I decided I was totally okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So one of, one of my, I guess we can jump to a question I had, um, which is, it seems like now for whatever reason, um, it's like this 200 mile or bust. Like it's like, if you ride a hundred miles, that's weak. Like that's not even (laughs) worth posting. So it's like you need to ride more. Yeah. (laughs) Like more is better. It seems on the distance front. Um, so I was curious if that intrigues you or if that style, um, like doing these crazy long rides of like six, seven, eight, nine hour days Mm. is motivating to you. Not particularly. Yeah. You know, more like five, six hours. That sounds like a real fun day. And then after that, you're like, well, Let's just accept our misery and yeah. get it done. And then maybe at the end, we'll feel some sense of stoke from doing it. Yeah. I like the concept of getting done and still being like very pleased and satisfied when you're done. Yeah. Converse getting to the point where you're like, I don't know, three hours out of finishing. And you're like, why am I still riding? Like, yeah. and why am I on my saddle? I can understand why some people enjoy like that kind of a challenge. But for me, I'm just like bike racing is bike riding is a fun thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as I turn miserable... I'm just like, you don't want to be doing it. Just what? Why? 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 (laughs) For me today, why? (laughs) (laughs) But okay. Outside of just the answer of it's your job. um, What about when you're miserable in a bike race? Mm. Then what? Mm. (laughs) No response. You have a team. You have a team. You (laughs) can't let the team down, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing, if I have a job to do, then I'm very like, 
oh, it's okay. Just do your job. And then once you've done your job, then you can kind of be done. Yeah. If you have to make it to the finish line, then I don't know, just try and go faster. Yeah. <laughs> Persuade other people to go faster for you. <laughs> I had um, a couple, I think the most ridiculous races I did that had, you know, like the flooding and hail and horribleness. And then in the middle of it, it just gets to a point where you just start laughing because it's like, this is ridiculous mm-hmm. that we're out here doing this. And who decided that this was a good idea? Um, yeah, we've neutralized ourselves in the middle of a race before due to like so much rain and geez. flooding. I'm like, is the race going to stop us? No. Okay. <laughs> just kind of neutralize ourselves as a peloton. Well, you did. When, when was that? What um, race was at the that? Giro a couple of years ago, there was just like this massive rainstorm that came through and everyone's like bottom brackets, but the rain was like coming up, up to, to the bottom wow. brackets. It was insane. No one could see anything. And naturally the, the girls team that was wearing the leaders jersey just like yeah neutralized the whole peloton good on them yeah and that, then it, the sun it. came out and it was like was that the same day <laughs> <laughs> it was so. the day we went up the zonkalon which is the worst climb in all of the history of the life of the course. life <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst climb ever and wh- why is that because there's so many switchbacks and it's so steep they just like just get to the next corner and then you go around a corner and you like try and coast because it's a little <laughs> less steep in the switchback like if you can imagine a climb with a switchback is the not steep part of the climb like that is how <laughs> steep this climb is <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then man. you just keep coming and coming and coming and coming it's like an hour and a half of just like being at 45 rp i'm like you know how i said i hate low yeah intervals. yeah it's like basically time. like an hour or so oh, of just God. doing that it's <laughs> awful <laughs> <laughs> oh no and then was combined with a day of torrential downpour yeah it was just after that torrential downpour quality yeah mm-hmm. great <laughs> Oh man. Um fun times. I mean the Jericho sounds pretty epic in itself, so yeah. at least there's that. <laughs> um Okay, anyways, uh going back to Sorry, um, No, no, that's good, it's great. Um Okay, we touched on mountain biking. Um what about riding with your dog? Is that mm. something that like is a new variable that intrigues you and motivates yeah. you? He can only do maybe an hour and a half. Okay. Um then he gets pre pooped, <laughs> but it's really fun. He has a fun time. We have a fun time. Trail puts dogs me in a better best. mood. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can incorporate, I think, um, just different things to focus on and distract and um, yeah. enjoy life or some, yeah, something other than your you know three by ten or whatever three by fifteen you need to do. That's um, why I think I like mountain biking too. Like a technical trail, I have to focus on what's happening on the trail. While as when as I rode my ride my road bike, sometimes I'm just so lost in my own head that it's yeah. like, wait, where am I? How long have I been riding? <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah, I do the same thing. Or like you can descend Flagstaff probably blindfolded. Yeah. So it doesn't exactly distract you. Um, okay, so you. Um, one of the other things that I saw that you did during this time, and I'm curious what started it, but you started baking mm-hmm. and I would say that it seemed like a lot of people chose the, um, these past few months to start baking. Um, but like why, yeah, why did that, why did that intrigue you? And then what made you start delivering and then what made you, um, get into that side of things? Yeah. I've always kind of loved to bake and cook. I have since I was little and I've always made my own sourdough stuff. I have a sourdough starter that's a couple of years old now. I think I saw it in like 2016 or something. Um, And then I definitely bake more in the winter time when it's colder here and we don't have, we don't really need to use heating when I'm 
baking a lot because it heats the whole house so nicely. Nice. And then when I came home, I was baking a lot. And I find that I bake a lot and I take it to friends anyway, just because I otherwise I have a freezer full of like <laughs> tons of baked goods, which isn't always bad. But then when you're home for a long time, it starts to get full. And then I just thought, oh, like, or I posted a picture of something I baked once and enough people replied my Instagram posts that were like, oh my gosh, that looks so good that I thought, oh, what if I just like deliver these around to people? Cool. And I started doing that and it was pretty fun because I was struggling to be motivated to ride my bike. So I'd like deliver them on my bicycle a lot of the time and it would take me maybe three or four hours to deliver to everybody. So at one point I had like 30 people I would go to. Wow. And so it would take me a while to get around town to deliver everything. And it was kind of like gave me a bit of a purpose in my day. Some of the days I'd probably bake over two days and deliver two days. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know, just like something fun on the side to do. And yeah. I could like go and see people, you know, what that I wasn't normally seeing. Um, yeah, just yeah. kind of like through doorways or something like that. So, yeah. Cool. What, um, what was your favorite thing to make? I make these sourdough pretzels, Ooh. which I personally think are delicious. I was like, I'm, I would tell people, I'm like, I feel very selfish. I'm only baking things that I want to eat that week. So <laughs> I would just like do seven batches of whatever it is that I wanted That's to eat. Awesome. So yeah, but I would make, I made them maybe one or two times these sourdough pretzels that I just, but they use so much flour. I was buying flour in like these 50 pound bags from Moxie because I was going through so much flour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one way of incorporating something into your training that you yeah. haven't done before. Um, I did, I have athletes that have uh, been really into kind of like destination rides or yeah. pin drop rides, basically. So, mm-hmm. like picking a spot on a map and then finding a way to get there, um, however that might be, cool. um, which has been pretty neat because they've found some pretty rad stuff. So, some of it's been like ghost towns or, you know, like abandoned mines or. Mm-hmm. Um, just different things in Colorado is like littered with all sorts of just natural places that you can go find, um, which is pretty neat, but yeah, that's, uh, that's (laughs) cool. Um, the random question, just because I've had Robin Carpenter's bread, um, would you be willing to do a bake off with Robin? His bread looks pretty good, but I've been told that mine's also pretty good. So maybe. Okay. Yeah. No, but his looks really, really good. Yeah. And he can do croissants and I can, I've not been, I've been too scared to try flaky pastry like that. Like a laminated pastry like that. His, uh, he looks pretty good. He's, he's good. (laughs) Um, how did you, so you're, I mean, you've been at altitude for a while now, but how is it adjusting to cooking at altitude? Um, it's okay. I think I really recommend trying to find a blog of somebody else mm-hmm. that cooks at altitude because it can throw things off. So when people ask me like, oh, what about this and what about this? I'm like, generally there's enough other people out there that are experts in it that have like already figured this out for you. So you can kind of go off. I use the perfect loaf. His name is Maurizio and he mm-hmm. lives at altitude cool. and similar, similar altitude to here. So I've had a lot of success with all of his recipes for sourdough particularly, but a lot of the time... I mean, so many things can change baking, um, yeah. but we just, the, just the temperature difference here, you need to change and maybe just add more hydration to whatever it is, cakes or cookies that you're making because, um, things just evaporate a little bit quicker. Cool. Yeah. The, um, I'll have to put it in the show notes and I totally forget what the name of the book is, but my wife's been using a cookbook that is, uh, from an author that basically lived at, um, basically like every thousand feet. And oh, then really? has a notebook of 
um, just different recipes that she did and how she had to adapt everything to make sure it was correct from, I think like everywhere from sea level to, I think like 10,000 feet. Okay. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll have to show that to you, but it's, that one's a good one too. Um, but I know nothing about cooking, so <laughs> don't ask me. Um, all right. What about, um, riding in different places? So I think a lot of people right now have been, um, motivated to try and explore or get to new places. And I know that's been limiting, um, but I'm curious as somebody um, who's a pro cyclist and then travels a decent amount of the year, is that something that does intrigue you is seeing new things and exploring new places? It definitely does. And I get really excited for like, I spend a week typically after my last race and go somewhere that I really want to go. Cool. Um, and it typically depends on where the world championships are. Depends where we go afterwards. Um, Cause Zach will fly over and yeah, I'll already be there. But um, lots of the time when we're, had a race and it's you don't really you don't get any time to kind of see where you are you're just there at the race and you do the race and then you recover and then um yeah there's not really any time afterwards but then I have got to stay in Girona a bit and I've taken the train from there into France and I've also kind of hired a car and driven along the coast in France before so that's been kind of fun to use that as an opportunity to go and see other places um but for the most part with bike racing it's it is cool to go other places, but it's not quite like you don't get to yeah. always see quite as much unless you're like staying in a town center, which is pretty rare. Yeah. 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 You see the hotel and then you see the race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, so, all right. Covered that. Um, one thing that I've found interesting, um, and it's not with all my athletes, but um, a select few of my athletes are in a place where um, they had some pretty big goals this year and maybe they had like they were targeting DK or they were targeting um, their first pro race or whatever it might be and that was kind of taken away from them so the concept of going out and doing um, these like really small almost made up goals Mm -hmm. um, doesn't intrigue them like in the slightest Um, so it's almost like this goals of grandeur that they can't achieve so they're almost like well if i can't do um you know my first redlands or i can't do my first gila then i don't want to even bother um do you i guess what would you do in that scenario um to help the athlete out or if that was like kind of in your shoes so like let's say for example there wasn't any racing that was going to occur this year yeah i think because I've been feeling that even with a little bit of hesitation, knowing if the racing will start, I've tried to focus on like, if I would use racing as a motivation to do these intervals that I really hate, <laughs> I would try and use just my own success as more of a motivator. Huh. So instead of thinking like, oh, you're doing this and picture this point in strata and this is why you're doing this interval, just be like, okay, I know I'm going to feel good about myself if I do my best effort and if see if I can do like one watt average more than I did the last time. And like there's some sort of like fulfillment to doing that. And it's kind of annoying when you're like, I'm going to do this at this wattage. And if you don't do it, then you're like, Rah! and then you try again the next time. And if you still don't do it, you're like, Rah! and then you try again the same intervals next week or whatever you do. But like just trying to focus more on like self improvement rather than from a competition point. Maybe. I don't yeah. Know if that's a good answer. No, I like that. So that was actually my next uh, topic was, uh, so one thing, you know, my wife were talking about, um, she came up with a concept that I really liked and the concept, um, and hopefully I can explain this 
well. Um, the concept is filling our lives. So like filling our time or, um, being fulfilled in life. Okay. So in relation to, you know, this year and COVID, um, I've seen that a lot of people, um, especially early on when like the lockdown really hit, um, they're just filling their day and they're just filling their day with activities. Um, you know, that might be like watching Netflix or, um, doing arts and crafts or, um, you know, drinking more. Um, but, uh, that only goes so far really. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead it's the concept of, we should look into something that really fulfills and betters ourselves long-term. Uh, so that, so for me, I've really focused on writing and I focused on my communication style and like how to connect with people. Um, and that was my way of taking advantage of the time. Uh, but athletes, it can be a little trickier because I think previously the fill was the races and then the being fulfilled was probably the results. Mm-hmm. Um, so without either, how do athletes find that fulfillment? Um, and what can that be? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think for sure some people are perhaps going to struggle with it more than other people. I yeah, think definitely. for me personally, I felt so much happiness just to be home, which I felt a lot of guilt about because there were a lot of people that were struggling from having to be home. And I was lucky because Trek continued to pay us through everything and is still continuing to pay us. Um, But for me personally, like I had so much, I felt so much fulfillment and happiness just to like realize that spending time at home with my boyfriend and my dog was like actually something I really enjoy. So I didn't necessarily ever feel like I was missing missing a different part of me that's just this athlete part of me that needed racing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the being fulfilled, I think sometimes can be stepping back and just looking at everything that you have and trying to find what can make you happy. And I think as athletes, it's hard not to be so focused on one thing or our sport um, Mm -hmm. compared to, yeah, maybe like, uh, what am I doing with my spouse? That's fun. Um, and I think those that have really thrived during this time have figured out how to like capitalize on it. Um, and in, in relation to like, I guess results then, or, um, continuing to progress yourself as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's harder, but have you, what have you done? I guess in that regard, Um, I hadn't thought about it a lot until I got this call to be like, you're going to be on a plane. And then I started to be like that part of my athlete brain was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) what are we doing? And then I, you know, went and Strava hunted and took a QOM and I felt a bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Gratification. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Are there any, I'm trying to think, I guess in Strata, there are climbs that are very similar probably to Lee. Mm-hmm. Lots of the Ardennes are pretty similar. That's yeah. like my favorite kind of um, efforts, just like around that five-minute mark. Pretty power. Cool. Climb longer than that. I start to get a bit annoyed about that. I think a big overgear effort. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I guess with that and without giving away too much of your training, do you feel like um, throughout this time you have been able to continue to develop yourself as an athlete? Do you think that this period was a step forward or... Um, just a static period. Yeah. I actually think it was really good to take that month 
just to listen to myself and listen to my body and just really pay attention. Like it wasn't, oh, you have to do these intervals today. It was like, okay, on the days you feel good, you can ride good, like ride well and do whatever you want to do. And you're probably going to go hard because you feel good. And then when you feel tired, there was nothing telling me that I couldn't go home. So I, I would just go home. And when, so I think that that really helped me that when I really started training hard again, I'm like, oh, I feel really tired. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm just going to go home. And then I'm going to try tomorrow rather than just feeling like beating my head against the wall with an interval. Sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you can tell like the older you get and the more you know yourself, like when you just like feel a bit lazy and when you feel yeah. like truly tired. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that that month of just kind of seeing, like listening to myself a bit more was really helpful for that. Um, and then I think, yeah, being at altitude perhaps for a really long time, like I've never been here for this long. I've always, even in the off season, like I've never stayed probably more than five or six weeks before leaving again, you know? So like to be here at altitude for four months, like not leaving at all, I think it's fun to f actually feel like feel I'm good. strong here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I've gone stronger and I feel like if I've gone stronger at altitude, then I can only assume that I will be cool. That's level. Yeah. So. Um, so I guess took the month off and then did you at the end of that month hear the new calendar or did you already previously set that one month um i guess what i'm getting at is do you think had you had no racing existed for yeah. the rest of the year so that calendar not been released yeah do you think you would have jumped back into intervals and training or do you think you would have just kept riding i would have just been like no intervals until it was racing <laughs> <laughs> i think i think after a time i would have been like okay structure is good yeah. i would like some structure back because it's nice to have that, like a little bit more of a game plan every day. Mm -hmm. But I would have been like, please, no low cadence intervals. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't please need to include that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, so yeah, I mean, one of the things I've been trying to focus on or at least talk, communicate with my athletes about is the concept of mental matches. So that using this time to progress yourself as an athlete or not just like let it waste. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, not be just cranking out. Um, super structured, um, over gear intervals every yeah. single day so yeah. that you're just like hating the bike by the time races might come back. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to do, um, a little bit more of, all right, we do this structure, um, and then we have it be a little bit more freestyle on other days so that they have that balance. Um, and like, is that, uh, something that you have tried or you approach that way or no? Um, definitely. I think, and my coach and I have a really good relationship. So I can always be like, I think I just need to go mountain biking this week. Like I understand I have to do my intervals, but like I need training peaks to say like <laughs> free three hour ride, do whatever you yeah. want kind of a thing. Like I need one of those to come up pretty soon, but also I don't always have to tell him cause I think he just kind of knows. And same with some of the people that I coach. It's like some people really just want every day to be a structured day and you're like, okay, I'm not sure I understand, but that's fine if that's what you want. Yeah, um, you. And other people really like, I don't know, yeah, they say, oh, I'm going to go out with my girlfriend today, or I really like Zwifting, so let, I want to do a Zwift race once a week. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. You just try and incorporate things that, like, you give enough structure so that you feel like you're achieving something and you've got your goal and you're, yeah. I don't know. For me, it's like two or three days of, like, really hard intervals it can be easily balanced out by another three days of a little bit more fun relax yeah yeah, yeah i agree it's definitely the all right how do you get through this period and like almost love the bike even more or mm -hmm. like appreciate it when you're on the other side kind of thing yeah um and hopefully that's sooner rather than later um 
Okay. Um, how about your team and your teammates? So have your team or your teammates kind of helped you through this period in any way? Uh, my teammate, Taylor Wiles, she's in California. She's actually a really good friend. We were good friends before we were on Trek Secretary together. We'd been teammates in the past as well. Um, but yeah, we're really similar brains. We think really similarly. So just some of our, yeah, I guess anxiety is about if racing, when racing will happen, especially a lot lately with both of us flying over to Europe. She just left on Thursday, was it Friday? So yeah, yesterday she just left. And then I was supposed to leave them with her, but the Spanish embassy actually denied my request while they accepted her request. So oh, we sent the same letter in and we both got different answers. And then they had to rebook me for on Tuesday and then give me time to talk to the embassy a second time. Um, and they've approved it the second time around. So now I'm leaving on Tuesday, but yeah, having a teammate like in the very, very recently be like able to understand what you're going through and like help you with that. Um, and then just, yeah, earlier on in the, in the lockdowns and everything, um, just trying to allow, talk to someone who else, who is also trying to just allow themselves to enjoy the time and like to just take a step back and like not be a high strung athlete because it's, <laughs> Like it's hard, it's exhausting to try and maintain. And when you don't have a race coming, it's hard to keep that motivation up. But then you feel guilty when you let it down. Um, so having somebody that's like relates with you to be like, it's totally okay. Like yeah. we're going to survive. We don't even know when our next race will be. And we know we can be super, whatever we need to be athlete. Like when we need to be just in like terms of, you know, maybe you don't stretch every single day or like maybe you have a glass of wine every night of the week or just like smaller things or maybe you don't sit down and recover for three hours after your ride. Maybe you went out gardening or you went on a hike or maybe you didn't do your intervals because why did it matter, you know? So I think at the beginning of the lockdown, just having other people that were kind of going through those same feelings of like, should we be guilty about not being as strict with our lives or not be and basically we all decided that it's fine no. yeah. <laughs> it's like the freestyle training incorporated in your life it's mm -hmm. like you could just relax exactly. sometimes and, and do what sounds fun and not feel not feel bad for it. yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like you're gonna that be awful like for your next race yeah. idealistic athlete that we all have like plastered in our heads yeah. that somehow exists but is completely unrealistic to maintain yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it um within maintaining i guess is it weird for you to basically not starting your season now but kind of in a weird yeah. way oh it feels so odd <laughs> like you're telling me i'm gonna race in a week i'm like mm -hmm, sure okay. <laughs> it's hard in, to believe like, i think it's August. gonna happen but yeah it, yeah it just i can't believe that it we're already towards the end of july like i don't even know how time has gone by so fast yeah this weird this weird year is just clump um, I'm sure but, not everyone's feeling that way, but I mean, yeah, like I said, I've enjoyed being home. Good, mm. good. Um, so I'm guessing that's the best part of what happened for me. Yeah. Okay. Being home. What is the hardest? What was the hardest part of COVID for you? Mm, the hardest part, I think just being around other people that weren't having like, the best time you know like a lot of people were losing jobs or yeah. just like kind of struggling with being isolated um even teammates that i had in europe what just couldn't leave their apartments you know lots of my friends in Girona were just like stuck in their little apartments and could only go three meters outside of their door unless they had like a grocery store receipt or something like that <sighs> so i think that like that's not me personally but i feel like i've 
can sometimes feel the feelings of the people around me and um yeah just aware of other other things in the world happening and just like to see the way the country's kind of handled things and everything it's been a little stressful yeah it's definitely been a time for maybe it's not always just about us kind of thing um appreciate what you have i guess Mm -hmm. um all right last question uh what do you miss about bike racing um what do i miss most I think being around, being in a, been a, being in a race and like feeling that confident feeling with a team, like the Trek is such a good team to be on. And I'm really happy to like feel that feeling when I enter a race with them. It's like, you just can rely on your teammates so well. And you've, I've not always had that feeling. Like I've been on pretty good teams my entire career, but it doesn't always happen where everybody just has so much respect for every single person on the team. Like we all just ride with so much respect for each other that like, that's a pretty cool feeling. It's like a fun, it's a fun feeling. And whether you get a result or you don't, it's just like this team work feeling that is, I really enjoy about road cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. The, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd lied. I have one more question. Um, <laughs> what, okay. I guess what race, so if all races occur yeah. that are on a calendar, what are you looking forward to most? Uh, so, of course, I've been asked this question already. Yeah, and I feel, no, 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 don't, it's okay. But it's like, I just still don't have a good answer for it. Um, and I just feel like because the season feels so different, and even though we're going to race Strata in a few weeks, and even if, you know, Amstel Gold does happen, I'm like, but it should have already happened. And it yeah. feels so weird to think about it. Like, I'm having a really hard time painting it as a reality in my mind. So, but like Amstel Gold, if you were to ask me that at the beginning of the year, I would have been like, yeah. I love Australian. I love Ansel Gold. Like, I really want to do well at Ansel Gold. And yeah, I really like Strata too. And if I do well there, then that would be really awesome. But mostly I really like Amstel. And I like, I want to just sit here and say that too, but it just feels like it's going to be different or it's hard to say because we don't really know what it's going to be like until we get there and we start racing. So maybe I'll know more once we race Strata or something. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will say like, if the calendar happens, as a spectator, I'm super stoked because yeah. it, I do think it'll be, I hope it'll be different. It'll be, everything's in weird places at different times. Riders have done different things and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of odd. So it has the potential yeah. of being a total shakeup, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see. I think it'll, we'll still be bike racing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. And good luck. And stay safe. Um, yeah. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could do me a favor, I would greatly appreciate it. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then like, subscribe, and review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. But also, tell one friend. The goal, of course, is that they then can do the same, and we can get these conversations to more people who might enjoy them. All right. Have an awesome week. I'll catch you guys next time. Till then, keep finding your edge.